Does anyone know how to wake my laptop up? Oh, wait. No. Pause. Sorry. All right, here we go. Let's just pretend that bit didn't happen. Um, so here we are. It's the last week of 2020. We're two days after Christmas. We've almost made it to the end of the year. I feel like a lot of people are kind of really looking forward to the end of this year, maybe a bit more than normal. Um, kind of hoping to put 2020 behind them and the new year is going to bring some, rem- some what's the word? Resem- resemblance of normal. Um, and that the hard things of this year will go away. But um, if you ask me, that's kind of like the Christmas movies. Sarah was talking about the kind of nausea-inducing. Um, like everyone sorts out their differences and they find love and they live happily ever after and they sit by the log fire and they zoom out through the window and it's snowing and there's a carol playing and there's no problems tomorrow because the movie ends. Um, It's not real life. Um, Here we are two days after Christmas, and yet a lot of hard things still remain. The decorations are boxed up. The glitz is gone, and that fuzzy Christmas season feeling is gone. There's a vast difference between how things should look and how they are. So what happens after Christmas, when the imperfections of our fallen world have not been healed in a fairy tale miracle like in a Netflix movie. Um, When you wake up on December 26th or 27th or January 1st and you're lonely, still, or grieving, still. If you're worried, stressed, in pain, still. Scared, misunderstood, the victim of injustice, still. When you're longing, still. When all our hopes are not yet met and it seems our prayers are are unanswered and God feels so far away. Jesus has come and he is Lord and the hope of Advent is fulfilled in him and we rejoice. Jesus, Emmanuel. How do we live in a world where we get glimpses of heaven but the rest of what we see is filled with injustice, turmoil, selfishness, heartache. When we know how good God created the world to be, yet it falls so short and seems to be getting worse. I sillily, in an MLT meeting, suggested this topic and may regret saying I'd preach it, but I am quite passionate about this part of faith. Um, And since I knew I was going to be giving this about three months ago, I've been collecting quotes and prayers and writing down my thoughts, things that have inspired me for the whole three months. But a couple of weeks ago, I realised that all the things I had written down and thought about, I don't really have an answer. I'm well acquainted with the problem and could probably write heaps on the wrongs and hurts in the world, the ways that we fall short. But the point of this was to come up with some options of how to keep living well despite. 
I didn't want to read Hebrews 12 and make some cheesy running reference. I'll leave that to Gav. Um, Or use some of those quotes tossed around like they're comforting until you're on the receiving end. Like, God only gives you what you can handle. FYI, I have it from a reliable source. This lands really poorly on a grieving widow. And I also believe it's theologically inaccurate. I wanted to give you more, something real and actually helpful. So my first answer, how do we keep going? It's blank. I don't really know. I don't have an easy answer or one that's applicable to everyone in all circumstances. Life is hard. It kind of sucks sometimes. And it's far short of what we're created for and what God wants for us. If this was a conversation I was having with a friend, I'd probably say, I've got wine and chocolates though. Um, And we can cry together in the pain. Um, There are some things you can do when you're feeling overwhelmed and things that are preventative from that kind of emotional burnout or apathy. Um, I work in a high school and the advice I give to teenagers doesn't involve wine. Um, There are three things I usually say to them um, and it goes for anyone. So... Number one, do good things for yourself. Really boring things like go to bed at a reasonable time without your screens. Wake up at a regular time. Eat healthily and move your body. Sleep, diet and exercise are things you can control and have immense impact on our mental health. Speak kindly to yourself. Be gracious with yourself. We're often harder on ourselves than others, so practice being kind. Your body is not perfect or infinite this side of the revolution. It's limited, so look after it. Advice number two, don't be scared of your emotions. Um, Allow yourself to feel all the feels. Acknowledge them and name them. I feel anxious today and I can't put my finger on why. This article I'm reading is making me feel really angry. Today is hard and the grief feels really heavy. It's actually okay to sit with those emotions. Sadness is not a lack of joy. Fear or worry are not a lack of faith. Denial and a lack of self-awareness are not fruits of the Spirit. And number three, if you're having trouble, get help. Talk to someone, a family member, a friend, a counsellor, a psychologist. Get help. That's not a um, weakness. My next advice I'm not allowed to share with teenagers at work because I work in a deck school, a public school, Um, but it should be number one. It's always pray. I read a quote from Sarah Bessie earlier this year. Um, It says, the same part of us that worries is the part of us that prays. I don't know about you, but I'm more than capable of worrying without ceasing. So this I can do. Philippians 4 verse 7 says that when we pray, peace that surpasses understanding will guard our hearts. Not the kind of stick your head in your sand and pretend everything's lovely. Peace that doesn't make sense given the situation. This is what we're given when we ask God to take part. In the Old Testament, the Israelites asked God to help them in wars over and over. Some clever person worked out that it was 16 times. Um, And the word used to describe God in these times is Ezer which is a strong warrior kind of helper. Um, The same word is used when God created Eve in the garden. 
So someone to stand shoulder to shoulder with, to work together. And as we ask God into the situation to do that, um, he brings peace because we have a helper with us. We're not alone. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. I'm also quite a practical person, so there are three other things I'll mention that help me keep going, and you can try as well. So what to do after Christmas, when things aren't like a Christmas movie, is take action. Do something you love, something that brings you joy or peace. Go to a rally, paint, write, dance, go to therapy, run, knock down a shed, Joseph. Um, Build a new one, hopefully when Karen lets him spend the money to do that. Um, Do it badly or averagely, but do it and enjoy it. Do something to make the world a better place. Because we can't possibly have a good sermon without good poetry, Emily Dickinson wrote, If I can stop one heart from breaking, I shall not live in vain. If I can ease one life the aching, or cool one pain, or help one fainting robin unto his nest again, I shall not live in vain. Uh, Her Majesty the Queen, in her Christmas Day address, mentioned the memorial to the unknown soldier and how it represents all soldiers who've placed others' lives above their own. I'm no soldier, but I am called to live a life that places others' lives above my own. I'm called to serve wherever I am, whoever I am with, and with whatever I have. Um, My next little quote comes from, I'm not quite sure how to say it, the Talmud. Um, My understanding is it's it's a Jewish book and its primary use is for explaining the code they use when they write down the Torah. But it's kind of also an ethical explanation of passages from the rabbi at the time that they wrote it. So my thought is that makes it kind of like a commentary or an interpretation of the Old Testament passages by like someone really wise. Um, but I really like it. It's Micah 6.8. But um, yeah, so do not be daunted by the enormity of the world's grief. Do justly now. Love mercy now. Walk humbly now. You are not obligated to complete the work, but neither are you free to abandon it. So what to do after Christmas when things aren't like a Netflix movie? Be grateful. And reminded our small group a couple of months ago of Hebrews 12. We are citizens of the kingdom of God and that is unshakable. The end of that section, verse 28, says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. The discipline of gratefulness is countercultural. It's acknowledging how much we have rather than what we don't. Everything around us kind of shouts, you don't have this and you need it. Gratefulness says, look at all I have. I'm abundantly provided for. Gratefulness is difficult, but there are loads of ways to help you increase your capacity for gratefulness. You can Google it, try something. If it doesn't work, keep Googling. There's lots out there. And my last one, what to do after Christmas when things aren't like a Netflix Christmas movie? Be stubborn. My favourite quote um, for the last 15 years is, be the kind of woman that when your feet hit the floor each morning, Satan says, crap, she's awake. 
I used to say this kind of like with fire in my belly, fully enraged, ready for the war against Satan and whatever he could throw, throw at me. But I'm getting older and cynical and tired and I've kind of fought a fair few battles against Satan and I don't have young, fresh faith anymore. It's more of an, okay, I'm awake, I'm down, but I'm not out. I have my doubts some days, but I know Jesus is king. The problems in my life, let alone the problems of the world, are big and I'll keep slinging, but I kind of hope Satan gives up soon. When we're hanging on by our fingernails and all hope seems lost, keep hanging on. Hang on because you want to prove someone else wrong. Hang on because you want to win. Hang on because there's no other option. Hang on because God is trustworthy. Hang on because we were created for more than this. Psalm 130. A cry out to you from the depths, Lord. Oh. Nope, we're not up to it yet. When it comes up, it's not the actual verse, sorry. Um, I cry out to you from the depths, Lord. My Lord, listen to my voice. Let your ears pay close attention to my requests for mercy. If you keep track of sins, Lord, my Lord, who could stand a chance? But forgiveness is with you, and that is why you are honoured. I hope, Lord, my whole being hopes, and I wait for God's promise. My whole being waits for my Lord more than the watchman waits for the morning. Yes, more than the watchman waits for morning. Israel, wait for the Lord because faithful love is with the Lord because great redemption is with our God. After Christmas, when the tinsel's down and the world is still fallen and things are still hard, hold on. God is faithful. On January 1st, the world's imperfections, they'll still be there. Systemic racism, economic injustice, gender inequality, disease, death. They aren't going away because it's no longer 2020. We are still locked out of Eden. But Romans 8.31, I'm reading the message version, it says, If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, Is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? Jesus has walked this earth with all of its imperfections, suffered and died in our place, and bought us us relationship with God. Um, Florence and the Machine has a song I quite love, and in my research I discovered it's actually a cover of a gospel song from the 1980s. It starts, Sometimes I feel like throwing my hands up in the air. I know I can count on you. Sometimes I feel like saying, Lord, I just don't care. But you've got the love I need to see me through. Sometimes we can't help but worship, but sometimes we want to give up. Hold on with all your stubbornness. We're about to have communion. We are told to eat and drink together at God's table as a reminder that Jesus died so that we could commune with God. God wanted Emmanuel, God with us. And he's got the love to see us through. In Luke 24, two two travellers were on the road, feeling the weight of grief as their teacher had just died, and he had not met their expectations of him. But they were not abandoned in their disappointment or grief. Instead, Jesus meets them right there, 
He gives them hope in a way familiar and culturally appropriate to them by sharing scripture and then eats with them. Come and eat, for God is with us. Um, As we normally do, just a volunteer from each group can come up and serve. Um, And a reminder that anyone can partake, but please just one member of your household take and share. Does that make sense? Um, We're going to listen to that. Florence and the Machine, not very gospel song. Have fun. Feel like throw my hands up in the air. I know I can count on you. Lord, I just don't care. You got the love I need to see me through. Please um, pray with me as I um, pray this beautiful prayer for each of you by Sarah Bessie. I pray that God would be near to you, a strength to you. I pray for comfort. I pray for a friend who knows, a friend who sits in your sorrow without fear, a friend who doesn't try to jolly you up. I pray for endurance in your heart and in your mind and in your soul and in your strength. I pray for perseverance beyond what you think you can bear. I pray that you would be someone who does not give up but continues to take up the space you need. I pray you will know how to ask for what you want and I pray for a community that meets you where you are at. I pray for comfort. I pray for warmth in your home I pray for candles and for lamplight, for good books and movies, for long walks in the darkness, lit only by streetlights or stars. May your voice crack with tears when you sing, potentially on your own this year, that there is a thrill of hope and the weary world rejoices because you are longing for a bit of rejoicing. May you fall asleep humming good songs of hope 
I see you trying to sing in your sorrow, and I think it's one of the bravest things I've ever seen. I pray for courage. No one ever told us how much courage it takes to have a broken heart, did they? No one told us how brave we would have to be to simply carry on. And yet here you are. I pray for courage to rise up in you so that you may get up out of bed for another day and do what you need to do to carry on. I pray for an appetite to eat good food and I pray you'll go to bed on time and sleep well. I'll pray you'll be good to your own self in the midst of all this. I pray for your hands to find work you enjoy doing and for creativity to give you a respite. I pray for you to find the intimacy of the Holy Spirit in these days. I've often found that it is in the wilderness and in the darkest, darkness and in the loneliness that the Spirit draws near. I pray for the active and intimate presence of the mystery of God to be close to you in ways you couldn't name or explain or understand. I pray for dreams that will comfort the hours of sleep you are given. I pray for peace in you and through you and about you. I pray for glimmers of reconciliation. I pray for bad jokes and the kind of laughter that makes you want to whoop and pound the table. I pray for friends who become family and I pray for family to become friends. I pray for God to be near you in ways you could never have expected. I pray that this will give birth to a great compassion in you, a love for our suffering world like you've never known. I know there is something for which you cannot even pray. There is no faith left in you and I pray for that unnamed thing too. I have a bit of faith and you can have it. I don't know what is in you, but I know you carry it. And the best thing is that God knows. I pray for hope to rise. Unbidden and unforced and surprising, like a flower breaking through the cement in a parking lot. I pray for you to tend that tendril of hope, like a gardener. Protect it. Let it grow wild and unexpected into the places you least anticipated. I pray for opportunities to serve others in your life. I pray for Jesus to bring you people into whom you can sow your inexhaustible love and your flagging energy even now. I pray for eyes to see the company of the brokenhearted around you and that you will become a place of rest for each other. I pray you find something or someone to love in these days. I pray for real reciprocity of relationship. That for everything you receive, you are able to give someday. I pray for the prayers of children to be spoken over you. I pray for the love and joy and the peace and the hope of Advent to be yours. Maybe this isn't your season for celebration. But the good news is that Advent, and even Christmas, isn't just for ones who feel happiness. It's also for the ones who are afraid and wondering, who are refugees and brokenhearted. You, as you are right now, were written into the story from the beginning and you have a place here. You belong at this table. And I dare to pray joy for you. I pray that everything you are sowing in grief you will reap in joy. It will be a different sort of joy. We both know that. There is the uncomplicated joy of those who haven't suffered. And then there's the joy born of suffering. The joy that is deeper for the loss that preceded. The joy that is seeing redemption, 
and knowing the scars you bear from the wounds are beautiful for those with eyes to see. May the light break through the darkness to warm you and guide you somehow.